everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Clock In, Vibe Out. I'm your host, Reina, and today I'm joined by one of Chicago's most promising up-and-coming artists. He's a creative, a hustler, an entrepreneur, and some might even say the Gatsby of this century. Today I'm joined by no other than young Zave. Welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm so happy to be here taking part of this. It's it's this is a milestone for sure in my career. I love to hear it. I'm super excited to have you on. I want to dive into some of your projects, talk about your creative process, but I also am super hyped to have you here so that we can talk about some of the back end stuff that goes into being an artist that is less glamorous and less talked about. Of course. I actually don't really know Zave. However, I have to give a quick shout out to Jimmy Kurz. Everyone in the Chicago area that I have met that is creative or dope, I have kind of met through Jimmy. So quick shout out to him. But yeah, Zave, ever since I found your music, I actually have been listening to it quite a bit. I love your sound. I think you're super talented. So I really wanted to have you on. That literally brings so much joy to my heart. And yeah, shout out Jimmy Curtis for sure. Definitely a constant variable in the scene. Young Zave, how did you get started in music? Do you have musicians in your family? Is it just something that you grew up listening to? What is your story? I mean, I, I think it's, it's very clear looking back that, you know, growing up, my household was full of music in terms of my father was a DJ and, Ooh. you know, just, yeah, I mean, and that's something that, that, you know, I, I, I overlook quite often in terms of like, wh- where did this stem from? Where did this come from? And yeah. it's super interesting, you know, in retrospect, the idea that he was this DJ, but not only like, you know, he, he's doing house music and stuff like that, but my dad, like very, very wide, wide range of music taste, you know, like a lot of early, like Foo Fighters, Smashing Pumpkins, things <laughs> like that are things that I was just encouraged to listen to because simply he was. So mm-hmm. um, definitely exposed to a lot of music in my house. And it's it's just so funny that like, as as a child, you know, I have a I have a younger brother and my dad would always be like, yeah, you know, my whole studio, all my equipment that goes to you guys one day, like I want to teach you guys how to make music. And it's so funny that neither of us like wanted anything to do with it like oh no, no way. interest whatsoever yeah and i feel terrible about it now yeah i just i i don't know i just i had no interest in it whatsoever and it wasn't until oh, um, the tables turn of course yes shoes on the other foot or whatever it may be yes but it's definitely played out a line in the stars is what i like to think but um no i mean it's super interesting i've always been creative you know i think I've, I've always had a fascination with, with bringing my ideas to life. And I think it's probably, and I'm sure a lot of creatives can relate to this. I've always been a very shy kid growing up, you know, not a lot of friends, stuff like that. Very, very, uh, to myself. And I think that was remedied by the idea of creating these, these visions and these thoughts in my head that necessarily, you know, I couldn't really share with anybody, you know? So I definitely felt like an individual of sorts, um, you know, on, on the on more of the loner spectrum. So, of course, that led down this rabbit hole of, you know, getting into graphic design, video editing, film, and all these things. And it wasn't, music really didn't come into play until essentially I, I made a song out of a joke. It, it was kind of like a little inside joke with a couple of friends of mine. And from the moment that it, like I've created it and heard it back, it was just like, this, this is, this is magic. I love that. I think to your point too, creatives, I think are sometimes misunderstood because if you think about it, what is the definition of a visionary? It's somebody that thinks outside of the box and thinks differently. And 
like in hindsight, everyone's like, oh my God, that person is so smart or so out of the box or so forward thinking. But at the time, you're going against kind of what everybody else is thinking. That's how you become a visionary. So I totally understand what you're saying about like being a bit of a loner because you're just paving your own path. I mean, it's it's definitely the road less taken, you know, it, it for sure is, is the different path, as, as you mentioned. And the YouTube videos are a classic start to a creative career. <laughs> a classic. Oh, a- absolutely. Classic. Okay, so you got into music from your YouTube career, essentially. Correct, correct. Okay. I went to film school for about a year. Um, and it was something like in high school that I was just super known for as being the kid that loved movies. Like, I loved movies. I was such the weirdo where, like, I would get out of school on Friday and go watch movies every Friday at the AMC River East downtown by myself sometimes. Like I would literally try to bring people, but if no one came with me, I'm still going to go see what came out this Friday by myself. Like I'm going to yeah, go. As you should. Uh, you know, I went to film school and that, that was the whole the whole mission. That was the whole idea. But I remember my very first day, I didn't even speak to anyone. I didn't even meet anyone yet. I literally just stepped in the building, sat down in the classroom. And I knew like from that moment, like in my heart, like this is this is not this is not for me. I think that it's great that people get actual college degrees or go to school for creative feats. I think it's really, really awesome. However, I think that it's it's kind of contradictory, you know? Like you're going to an institution to foster your creativity. I don't know. It just <laughs> Yeah, know. no. I've- absolutely. I think I get what you're what you're saying. I mean, even the idea of like creativity kind of resonates as a synonym of, you know, freedom. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. If, if and you're, you're getting sense. graded. Yeah. Like and then you're exactly. going to school. It's just a very weird concept. So I, I can definitely see how that would have been a bit challenging. Okay. Continue with your story. Post that first year of college that, that I went to, I had no idea what to do. So what I did one day, and this is like my life savings at the time, because I was like working at Starbucks. I'm, you know, recently a uh, college dropout. I saved up like about a thousand dollars and that was like the most I've ever had in my bank account. And I remember I was like, what am I going to do with this? And then one day I was, I was watching YouTube videos with my friend and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to make YouTube videos. So that like literally within the same 30 minutes, I spent that thousand dollars on camera equipment and then <laughs> okay. also book booked a flight for New York for me and him. The series that I came up with was called The Journey So Far. And it was this concept of, I guess, me just trying to figure out what's next. You know what I mean? At the end of that episode, there's like this little dramatic sequence where we're getting back on the plane and there's like some B-roll of like New York and the, you know, the the terminal that we're at. And I get this little speech where I'm like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know where this is going to lead to, but like, I'm going to find my purpose through this series, yada, yada. And this is the journey so far, like some super dramatic kind of like music and montage. And first original song. And there we go. That's I mean, that's exactly what led into that. It was in the second episode, trying to find something else fun to do for a video. We went to Milwaukee and I was like, I'm going to go to a music studio and just and just make a song for, for a YouTube video. Okay, that's literally what happened. And it, the rest great. is history. I love it. Very on a whim, very spur of the moment. Sometimes you've <laughs> got to follow your heart, though, and do what you want. Of course. But I would also say, try not to be as narrow minded, too, though, you know, because I wouldn't have ever assumed that music would have been the course of action. That moves us right in to where I wanted to go. So, in the creative space, we hear lots of no's. I know personally, I've been taking L's on L's on L's recently, <laughs> but it is really important to celebrate every little victory, especially in creative spaces, because 
in a corporate setting or in a more traditional space, you kind of have milestones laid out for you. And it's very clear how success is measured. But when you are a creative and an artist and you are making your own way in the world, there really is no way to define success. So what are some milestones that have meant the most to you in your music career? And what are some of the little victories that you've been celebrating? I would say that perspective is a creative's most valuable tool. Looking at the things that I've I've accomplished now or am currently doing are things that my little mind wouldn't have fathomed back then, um, which is where the perspective comes into play. Like milestones, like the the ability to headline my own shows at Chicago staple venues. In high school, my dream was to be in films and in small turn with you know Jimmy Curtis and Clark Street to have made a film titled art for this and then play it like in a, in a movie theater. Those things like that are definitely the milestones that resonate with me. The creation of albums, the putting out music that is heard and listened to. Cause at the end of the day, that's, that's me. That's my legacy. That's me in audio format. So to be heard and understood, all these milestones are, are just things that accumulate over time, but also are just like the things that I try not to take for granted. I think it's super important too, going off that to surround yourself with people who also want to celebrate your wins with you. Like it's super important to find your support system, no matter how big or small. Of course. I just think that it's super, super helpful and impactful to have that little family around you and that little team that is also there and taking your wins as theirs as well, because it just makes everything a little bit sweeter. Yeah. Especially in that creative field when like you said, I mean, the, the no's are frequent. Yeah, there's so many hurdles. And sometimes it's nice just to even if, even if they're not involved in the realm of what it is you're doing, you know, even just to have people that do support you to show you that, you know, what you are doing, it does matter in a way, you know, or that someone is listening that goes miles. Someone actually gave me some really good advice not too long ago. And I think that it's important for creatives to hear or anybody that's just putting things out that are coming from their soul. I think that we all get blinded by the winners a lot of the time in the sense that we all see Drake like making chart toppers again and again and again and like all of these big celebrities and really well-known established people to the point where 50 streams or 50 downloads or 50 likes on your painting don't really seem like they're that monumental, but try to name 50 people right now. You probably can't like it's gonna take you a minute exactly so if you're ever feeling down on yourself just try to name 50 people and then see how you feel <laughs> yeah it'll definitely require effort for sure you gotta bust out the paper and pen and, and start writing some names yeah you do you'll run out <laughs> okay you happen to be a very theatrical person so far as i can tell and you do a lot of storytelling in your work so road to legends is a series that you made and it is essentially your artist documentary and <clears throat> as it reads a series that chronicles xavier robert on his colossal pursuit for the life he envisions for himself end quote <laughs> So what is that life that you envision? You know, I, I think it's everything grand. You know, I think uh, it's like many others. I think I fear the norm. I strive for extraordinary. Maybe it's hubris. Maybe it's that self-centered part of me. But at the same time, it's like, I only have this one life. You know, what's a symphony if it's not heard? A big word of advice is you got to kind of embrace that chaos a little bit. Because there's so much, there's so many variables and there's so many things that are at play depending on what you're doing or who you are, or where you are in the world and stuff like that, that I think it's just kind of the idea of like kind of embracing the fact that it is a rocky ride, you know, 
I kind of like chaos, not going to lie. It's a, it's a bit <laughs> nerve-wracking sometimes, but I feel like it's kind of inspiring. And I said this to you before, but little known fact, when you're nervous and when you're excited, your body produces the same chemical reaction. So what that means <laughs> is that you can literally trick yourself when you're nervous into thinking that you're excited. You just have to tell yourself over and over and over again, you're not nervous, you're excited. You're not nervous, you're excited. And then, boom, problem solved. You're now no longer nervous, you're excited and you can thrive in chaos perspective literally everything that is like the super power that we have as humans perspective so true so true i want to talk a little bit now about shows i saw that you did headline your own shows you've also done some live stream shows and live shows are so thankfully starting to come back slowly but surely and i know that a lot of artists might be a little bit rusty when it comes to performing and putting together shows that are exciting and engaging and you do quite a good job of that. So what is your process of planning shows? <laughs> I could I could give my best advice or give my best input, but I'm definitely not the, uh, I'm, I'm more of a pioneer than a buccaneer. I'm definitely the person <laughs> that, that gets thrown through the glass instead of kind of just navigates that. So I'm notoriously bad when it comes to, to planning things. I think to to go along with that that chaos thing that you mentioned. Like I, I thrive in that. And I think for me, nothing gets done unless I throw a date on a calendar. Uh, yeah. You know, typically with these shows, you reach out to venues and stuff like that. And you kind of try to find a date that works for them and for you. And you kind of plan everything along with that. I'm the type of person where right now, you know, I'll be like, oh, April 1st, I want to throw a show. Okay, cool. I'm going to April 1st. And you know what? I want this, this, this person here to fly out. I'm going to tell all my friends we're going to do it. So my, my people are already booking flights. They're going to come out, be there for my show. Okay. Now I got to hit up a venue because now it's on a calendar. Now I have the pressure to go throw this show. Um, that's literally how, how I work. Uh, that is definitely is, chaotic. It's <laughs> it's terrible chaotic. and definitely notes are missed along the way. But at the same time, like there's beauty in that chaos too, where just it, things get done. Putting shows together are a huge mess and they take a heap of time and I definitely wouldn't rush them. But they're so fun, so exciting. That's like the thing that I definitely miss most, uh, you know, about life pre-COVID. What's your creative process like when you're planning the shows? When you're writing your set list, do you order your songs like in a way to tell a story or do you just go with the vibe that you're feeling on that night? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like my favorite part. Once all my, all my, you know, ducks are in line, the set list is my favorite part. Cause it's, it's a show, you know? And I think even when I make my music, like after dark, my first album that was made in the concept of a play, you know, there's like a, the, there's a part A of it that continues on. And then there's a interlude, which kind of is like the split in the show. Like I even do costume changes in my show, <laughs> like with the vibes of the songs. Yeah. I normally split I my shows that. in like two or three acts. That's the stuff that gets me really excited. That's full like, production. Of course. And you have to. Yes. That's what's so fun is like music for me. When I create it now, it's just like, how, how is this going to be perceived live? You know, I think that's an important balance is not only, you know, how is this going to sound on someone's headphones, but when I'm on stage performing in front of someone, how is this going to look? You know, is there too much space here where it's kind of awkward? Is there this and that? So um, set list, a lot of thoughts go into that, but it kind of goes with that theatrical approach, like a, like a play for me, at least. Music is definitely way more than just how it sounds in people's headphones. Music is an entire experience. So I love that you said that. Very, very theatrical. And yeah, I cannot wait for your live shows coming back. Appreciate that. Me too. You definitely have to be there. You definitely have to oh, be there. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> okay. 
live stream shows were something that was definitely new to all of us. I know that Twitch has obviously been around, but we didn't really have live stream concerts in the capacity that we've had them in the past year. I know that you did a couple live stream shows. So how do you feel about those? What was your experience like with those? First of all, absolutely. Once again, entirely blessed to have been able to do those. You know, I know I have a lot of artist friends that have not performed. I know a lot of people in the early days were doing like Instagram lives and stuff like that. That's definitely something that crossed my mind, but it it didn't have that appeal to me like an actual production would. Because again, the, the one thing that I have on my side is like this delusion and this like <laughs> everything has to be colossal and grand and obnoxious. Definitely on the obnoxious side, but like um, I have to do things in some huge cinematic capacity. So for me, um, the live stream show that I did, the first one, the Young Zave show. Yeah, I got a team together of people that I, that you know I've I've worked with in the past. I mean, we had we had engineers on site, we had a bunch of cameras, um, you know, literally a whole staff and team to kind of direct this video and uh, this live show. And I think, um, you know, at first I was worried because a lot of when you're performing, shows definitely vary based on the crowd's energy. You know, that's the thing. Like as a performer, and I say this on every show that I go on to, every stage that I step onto, I say, you know, my goal is to you know entertain you and your goals to be entertained that's the goal for the night and i so with a live show you know like these these broadcast shows you don't have that because there is no crowd it's literally just you and i think that yeah. was a fear of mine was like you know kind of being more sad by the product because it feels nostalgic you know but when i got on on set that day and the, the phenomenal team that i worked with you could have convinced me otherwise that it wasn't like a live show. The lighting that we had was curated to each single song on the set list. It was absolutely gorgeous. No, yeah, I watched it and the setup was actually super sick. Appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people put their hands in that, and I definitely uh, have the least credit to take in that in that whole endeavor. So, but there's a lot of people that definitely helped bring that vision alive, and I think because of that, you know, when I walked out, normally I have intros for my for my uh, shows, I have like a whole walkout sequence again, that dramatic theatrical feel. And I, I remember standing there and my intro starts playing and the lights are there. And I'm like, man, this literally feels like I'm at an actual show, you know, like the speakers are the whole building shaking. There's, there's lights going, there's fog, there's, you know, it's, it definitely had that energy. So um, I think if broadcast shows are done in that grand way, it, it definitely, I'm fine doing that for a bit more, you know? One, that's super dope that you had that experience. Like I said, the production on that live stream actually was so sick. It did look like a real life in-person live Thank action Thank show. You. But I also don't think that live stream shows are going away at any point. Even when COVID is fully over, I still think that that industry is continuing to grow. But I do think that that is really good to point out for other artists who might start to dip their toes into that realm. That if you have a really awesome team and you can up all of the other elements to kind of combat the fact that you don't have a live audience, then you can still make it just as magical as a live show. And and also, I, I do want to preface the fact that those shows are not exactly cheap, you know, so I, I don't want to give off the notion that um, they're super sustainable for smaller artists in terms of doing them as frequently. Um, and again, I know I kind of mentioned the fact that I didn't want to do Instagram live shows, but for anybody who necessarily doesn't have the budget to do these bigger productions, I still definitely, definitely encourage doing something even for you as the artist is way better than doing nothing, you know? So even if it is just getting on Instagram live, like 
absolutely do it because there's a market and there's a niche for that that you know that more intimate performance as well. Those performances are way more intimate and there's lots of different avenues that you can take now as artists to connect with your fans. Like there are platforms specifically made for artists to have those live stream concerts with their fans. Like there's one that's called Sessions Live, super sick. They have really cool artists on there and that's actually a really good way that a lot of smaller artists are actually making a lot of money off of their art and off of those live stream shows. There's a brand new one. It's really big. It just got huge investors. I don't remember the name of it right now. But there's also Instagram Live. There's Twitch. There's lots of different ways for artists to still be connecting with their fans, even through all of this COVID madness. So of course. that's good to point out. Also, I kind of want to put you on the spot. I don't know how you feel <laughs> oh, no. about this. Okay. But I kind of want to hear the intro. <laughs> I haven't. Okay, here's the thing. I haven't gone to a live music show since August, and it was mm-hmm. really small. And yeah. Anyways, a lot of people haven't gone to one at all since the beginning of COVID. So I feel like if you really want to give the people what they want, I think that the people want to feel like they're at a music festival, at a concert. So take it away. Wait, wait. What do you like the intro? What do you mean? No, I'm really being put out. on the spot. Hype up the crowd. I mean, I can't. No, no. It's definitely a lot more obnoxious. Oh, come on. It's so much more obnoxious. It's not even like me. It's so dramatic to the point where it's like <laughs> there's there's subwoofer shaking and there's like ambient sounds and Ready? stuff like I'll that. Noise on my mic. You go. <laughs> no. No. Oh my god. I'm really being put on the spot. Okay, so like I'm walking on stage right now and I gotta hype it up. Yeah, go. Yo, what's and up, guys? It's Young Dave. Dave. Young Dave. <laughs> We're going to have fun. That's literally what I'm going to say as I get on stage. <laughs> Who's ready to have fun? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, we'll we'll give that another go once COVID's over. Yeah, we definitely. Uh, and then we could, you know what? We'll just we'll reference this back and it'll, it'll age like wine, you know, like looking yeah. at the before <laughs> and after. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay. Okay, so I want to dive a little bit more into some of your actual work now that I have adequately embarrassed you on air. Okay. It's great. It's great. You talked about this a little bit already, but I do want to talk about Hurt for This, which is the short film that you wrote and produced. First of all, super sick. Kudos to you. I really enjoyed watching it. I don't know much about boxing. Fighting makes me very nervous, so I don't know much about it. But (laughs) in the film, towards the end, you said the ring is truth, and I thought that that was super impactful. But I did want to ask, do you see a lot of parallels between boxing and music? I mean, in my own perspective, yes. And again, like I know we've talked about it off recording in terms of like how – I view music in terms of like I have this whole Van Gogh syndrome where I feel like the 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 pain of my life, the roller coaster of my life is what translates and inspires my art. So I feel like in terms of boxing, right? Like there is some kind of craze there. Like who enjoys like and I love boxing, but like what sane person likes getting hit in the face? Right. You know, and the same thing for music is like the pursuit of anything creative. Like there's definitely something wrong with you if you enjoy all that denial, which everybody faces, you know what I mean? So like if you swap out the punches for the nose in this industry or any industry that you're in, there definitely are parallels in that in terms of like the commitment that it takes. Cause you're literally 
both taking, you know, in terms of sometimes physical harm, you know, like physical harm and, and emotional harm. And it definitely takes a toll. So, I mean, in terms of the parallel of that, of like boxing and music is like, and that's where the title hurt for this comes from is the idea of that's the work that's put in. This is what I want, but this is what I, what I, what I hurt for, you know, this is my art in terms of boxing or music. Like it's, it's, it's very, 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 um, rigorous and, and hard on the soul. Yeah, that is a really, really interesting way to put it, actually. I'm, I always do definitely get hurt by the nose and the L's that I take. It, <laughs> it's always a bit bruising. But yeah, I've never actually thought about it in the terms of like actual physical blows. But that's a good parallel. I mean, that's 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 why we did hurt for this too. Instead of uh, I mean, it, it was in the realm of boxing opposed to me, you know, having some story about me pursuing music because anybody could see you know montage of me in the studio and putting in hard work but they can't really relate to that but even if you're not a boxer or you've never even you know got into a fight or a scuffle in your life you could still understand the concept of pain from getting punched in the face and nothing resonates more uh, as as painful than pain itself you know so that's why i used boxing as a metaphor to explain my struggles as an artist essentially is what her for this was melodramatic philosophy i love it <laughs> always can't always with me <laughs> can't beat it i had the pleasure of hearing some unreleased tracks that are going to be on your next album thank you by the way for sending those to me thank you for I listening i did have to coax one out of save <laughs> i got it i got it and it was a good you one you had mentioned to me that you are trying to switch your sound a little bit and i know that for artists that can be a little bit nerve wracking because we never really know how the pushback is going to be or how it's going to be received. But I do want to talk about the new sound that you are heading towards and what kind of inspired that change. Yeah, I mean, I think the to, to sum it up, the new sound, and maybe you can kind of chime into what you perceive it as, as as a consumer. But I think it's just definitely a little bit more melodic. You know, I'm, I'm for once not just rapping. I'm, I'm literally singing in songs. You know. Um, which is which is new to me. Um, never never did something like that. And, and again, one of the you know it's a tragic year, but one of the gifts of 2020 was the fact that I had the ability to sit down and, and explore my creativity. And I think the reason for the change into doing you know embracing these different genres is the fact that I'm telling my story, and some stories can only be told a certain way. So I think for me, I look at genres now, like the different things that I'm embracing as different ways to tell these stories. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just super super excited for this new change in sound. It's just the fact that I'm I'm growing as an individual, you know. Hopefully, evolving, not devolving. But uh, someone asked me the other day; they were making a joke. They're like, "Oh yeah, you're a rapper." I'm like, "No, I'm just a modern day philosopher." You know, like, true, it's just, true. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the views change. You know, I'm definitely I would definitely lean into the singer songwriter more opposed to the or just songwriter opposed to recording artist or rapper or stuff like that. I think just the fact that I'm just I'm growing and with that, my art grows as well. And hopefully that is perceived well, you know. I think it will be. For anybody that's listening, I think that you guys will all really like the new sound. I really like the songs that you sent me, I have to say. Did you ever watch the new Romeo and Juliet with like Leonardo DiCaprio? And, of course. Um, okay. Of course. You know the ball. Oz Lerman the- film. I have yes. to. I don't know. Whenever I listened to, honestly, all three of the songs that you sent me, I just kind of was picturing that ball and I loved it. It was just very glamorous sounding and it just sounded like I was in a soundtrack to a film, like a very glamorous, old timey film. I I definitely really, really take that as a compliment. And that means a lot because, I mean, 
I think with this album, it wasn't necessarily a goal of what I wanted to make. And I think that was the issue with this album was it's the first thing that I had no idea what it was. Um, but yet again, there's certain nuances that are me. And I think my foundation has always been to strive for that theatrical cinematic feel. So to know that even unintentionally this time, that was what still came across and maybe as grand as I want it to be, that that's definitely appreciated and I'm happy to hear. Yeah, I really liked it. It was good. Okay, so kind of going off of thought, like we said, sometimes artists can feel a bit nervous when changing their sound. So I wanted to know if you have any nerves about the new release and about the new sound or if there's anything that you're kind of feeling a little bit weary about. Obviously, music is super glamorized. It's awesome and it is fulfilling and it's great, but also you are bearing your soul to the world so obviously Mm -hmm. there's a lot of vulnerability that comes with that and i think that it's important to note that as well that it's not just all glamour and shows and excitement all the time the only downside that i can think of is i I keep talking about these two albums you know i have after dark and then the b-side to that because these are meant to be listened to in a single listening you know back to back and there's Dead by Dawn. And I think the only issue that I find that I'm a little nervous about would be the fact that After Dark is very, very, very different than Dead by Dawn in terms of, I mean, it's just a straight like trap (laughs) night, very, you know, club oriented, you know, a lot of kicks, a lot of bass, just very, very that. And I think that's also the point too, is After Dark is the idea of like the, the nightlife. And then if the way I look at it is if After Dark is the night out, and the things that follow, then Dead by Dawn is the hangover the next morning. Oh. Um, but in terms of, you know, being nervous about the release, no, like I think, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't do well as an artist. <laughs> and there's some things that I do do, you know, with confidence. But I think in terms of this music, because it's so openly me, I'm not nervous at all. I'm just beyond excited to have it out. And I, I do feel like it's something special. But then again, that's a bias that I feel every artist has. You know, no no mother wants to say their child is ugly. You know, it's just kind of one of those things that because it came from me, you know, I think it's great and I see it yeah. it is. But again, I think I'm more excited. Like you said, it's that perspective. I'm not nervous. I'm excited. So yes. very, <laughs> very thrilled to have this out and uh, to start, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'll say it on here too, because it's like the first time I'm really talking about it. But in May, we really start the campaign for the album and that starts with the first single and i'm, I'm just so so excited to start moving in this this era yeah that's exciting you took the words right out of my mouth i was gonna ask for a time <laughs> but now you got it so may we'll start to see some stuff from the album that which is, is not exciting. far at all which is not far at all so not at all yeah. that's really exciting well i'm excited to see the full production come to life thank you thank you It sounds like you craft everything very purposefully when you're making music and you're telling your stories. So I do have a question about Mania because Mania was like a little mixtape that you put out and you had said that they were songs that you just like didn't really want on the album, right? Yeah. If you put so much work into perfecting stories that are told through the albums, what purpose does a mixtape serve in moving that narrative along? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's actually a phenomenal question. I think there's, I there's two ways to look at this. <laughs> no, definitely. That's a great question. I love that question. <laughs> you know, I think there's still me. You know, it still came from me. And that's still a side of myself. And, you know, I'm a very, um, you know, sure, from, from season to season, I may be this type of person a little bit more, this or that. But, like, 
throughout the day, there's still mood swings where I feel that type of artist where I'm very braggadocious, you know, that's what rap is. And it's very flex rap. It's very a sport, you know, it's very competitive. And I think that, you know, I, I wrote those songs for a reason. They're a feeling that I felt. And I think it's important just to, just to put them out there because they may not be my favorite songs and they may not be songs that really resonate with me as much, but somebody's going to enjoy them, you know? And I also think too, on just like a, business standpoint too as an artist is like it's just sitting there why not put it out there and let it do something for me so super true I was just thinking about that like I I've never really asked anybody that and that's something that I've never really thought about either but yeah it just came to mind so good answer glad to hear it you have made it pretty much to the end I just have a couple more questions for you and you know that this one is my favorite I have been waiting patiently to ask you this But you know that working in music and entertainment puts us into some interesting situations that we might not find ourselves in otherwise. So, young Zave, do you have any embarrassing stories for us from your time as a musician that you want to share? You see, as a a frequent listener, (laughs) I, I, I hear this question asked. And the first one that comes to mind, I remember it was one of my last, last, last bar shows that I've ever done in my life. And there's a reason why I don't do them anymore. Um... But yeah, I, as mentioned prior, I, I like to have intros with my show where, for example, there's like a minute or two of like this instrumental and all these sound effects and lights. And then once the, the intro ends, then I kind of walk out, you know, kind of like an introduction. You go to like a Bulls game in Chicago. There's like that whole like little intro aspect where they have the music and they show like the lineup and then the players come running out. You know, like that's that's my thing with music. And I remember one time I was doing a show at HVAC. Um, that's the name of the bar. Oh, I actually one sick. It's a, it's yeah, it's a nice. It's a, one a of the nicer bars. Balcony to too. They have a stage. Yeah, yeah they have yeah. a stage. It's great. It's great. The issue was is I started working with this DJ, <laughs> um, okay. brand new. We've never worked together before. Okay. And start here. Uh, I go in the back into the kitchen, away from like it's kind of like their version of a green room, yeah. right? It's like the backstage. It's their kitchen. So I'm standing in the kitchen, and he's supposed to press play on my intro, which is like a minute and a half intro, two minutes long. And I'm supposed to get back there, and then once it comes near its end, I'll start walking on the stage. In theory, people start cheering, and then I perform the first song. Right, easy peasy. What happens is I'm standing in back. And I hear all these people like whispering, like, what's going on? And I'm even standing back like, what's going on? The DJ gets on the mic. He goes, Young Zave, where you at? Where you at, Young Zave? No, no, this this one was bad. This one was really bad. And he's like, come on, Young Zave, let's go. Let's go. Come on, where you at? And then he's like trying to get the crowd going. And I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do to stay back here? They're going to think that like maybe I got nervous and like they don't want to come on stage. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me just go out there. And this is really, really weird. So like I jog out there. I don't even walk out kind of cool. Like I jog out to go and try to tell him like play the song. But the second I walk out, he starts playing the intro. So it's not even like I could tell him prior. So he starts playing the intro and it's this awkward moment where I'm on stage and there's like a minute and a half of, you got to listen to the intro. It's not after dark. It's literally called intro. And it's, you hear my Mustang starting up. You hear like these synths, you hear, you know, these drums. And then you hear like all these vocals from my previous songs and some kind of like dreamlike, you know, like echo stuff like that. And I'm just like standing there on stage like at this point, do I like get off the stage and say, Hey, can we redo this? Or like, it was just super awkward, like literally two minutes of me standing there and then trying to add in like awkward ad libs, but I didn't know where to add them because I've never had to do this. Oh, so no. I'm like, Hey everyone, let's, 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 yeah. <laughs> Woo! 
it. You know, like, let's go. And then, but like, there's no hype that comes after that because it's just like an intro. So that was probably one of the most awkward situations of my life in terms of like bad situations on stage where it's like, there's a reason why things need to be rehearsed. Everyone needs to be on the same page. Your set list needs to be understood, not just by you, but the lighting techs, the engineers, the DJ. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. It's super crucial because otherwise you're being called to stage where you like look nervous or you're unprofessional. Then you have to run on stage and you're standing on, and it's not a big stage. So it's a very small yeah. platform. There's, there's like not, no walking. There's not a lot of room. Yeah. I'm literally there's just standing there. there as people are looking at me and i'm trying to find things to do like i try to do like the, the clap let's clap you know put your hands above but then like, but, like people get what? bored of that right. after a little bit so it's like how long are we doing this yeah. then people put their hands down so it's like we did it in the middle it was just it was it was uh it was a night nice sermon mr sure. dj big out <laughs> yeah big yeah out. it was it was rough it was very rough that's a good one see you don't really get that at a typical day at bank of america Doesn't <laughs> okay not always I have one final question for you to wrap everything up. Before you go, do you have any final words of wisdom for people who want to get started in music? Embrace the delusion. You know, I think mm. uh, many, many artists are like such. I'm an overly delusional person. I, I, I see things that are grand and, and just don't root themselves in reality. And I think that's kind of where this creativity also kind of resonates is the fact that I have all these dreams, like many others of, of, you know, aspiring to accomplish. And the reality is, is they're not very um, realistic. So I think the idea would be to embrace the delusion, obviously be mindful of things, but if someone's telling you you're crazy, then be like, yeah, I am. And, and continue to do what you love and what, what resonates in your heart. And I will say that along with that, also try not to be so narrow-minded. You know what I mean? Because I think that's my biggest takeaway from like my origin story as an artist. I think that's, that's the takeaway is taking one thing a step at a time based on that delusion and that perspective and getting rid of that narrow-mindedness. I love that. Delusion is a good thing sometimes. You just got to ride the wave. No sane man did anything great without delusion. True. Okay. You have made it. But before you go, do you want to tell the people where they can find you? Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty simple. Just at I'm Young Zave on any social media platform. If not, you could just open up a little website. I don't know if too many people are familiar with it. It's called google.com. You can go there, type in Y-O-U-N-G space X-A-V. That's Young Zave. And you can find all of my things there because it's right there on a Google Play card. You can find my social medias and music platforms. I'm Young Zave or just Young Zave on music platforms. Perfect. Too easy. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I loved having you on. It's been really, really fun. And if you are listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a little review, a little rating if you like the episode. I want to say a huge thank you to each and every one of you for listening to this episode and all 17 of my other episodes so far. You have all made this such an incredible journey so far, and I'm so thankful for all of the support that I've received. This episode is going to conclude season one of Clock and Vibe Out, but make sure that you are following Clock and Vibe Out on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date and catch the latest news about the podcast. I have some big things in the works for next season, so make sure that you stay all caught up on episodes. That's all that I have for you today, but I will be back soon with more new episodes of Clock and Vibe Out.